Welcome back, everyone, to our Office Hours podcast of Your Week with St. Luke's. We are closing out the Gospel of John, and we're coming to the close of Oliver, and we're getting to the questions of what now? What do we do with this incredible story? What do we do with the Gospel of John and what Jesus calls us to? And we're, again, gathering with some of our cast. So tell us who you are and how you're related to St. Luke's in the show. Let's start with you, Joseph. Me, I am Joseph D'Ambrosi. I am playing Mr. Bumble and the dramaturg for the production of Oliver. Okay. Oh, hi. Um, I'm Stephanie. I'm in Fagan's Gang. I'm also in Missions at St. Luke's. Hello, my name is Faith Bowles, and I am playing Nancy. I'm also a praise team member and a church council member. Oh. Hi, I'm Steve McKinnon. I'm the artistic director here at St. Luke's, I direct contemporary worship and our theater ministry. <laughs> And I am co-directing Oliver with Sean McLeod. Great. So we always do shows. Steve's always talking about the why. We always do shows that are evangelistic in nature. It's an opportunity to bring people in and make them comfortable with a church that uh, maybe they have had some difficult situations with. Um, It's about telling a story that relates to our values. But also we want to tell stories that make the community think about current relevant situations going on in our community. Um, And we always, as a congregation, tie that story back to scripture and sermons and things like that. And so we're doing this Gospel of John connection. And today at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus has this redemptive conversation with Peter. Peter has denied him before the cross three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. Jesus finds him on the beach after he is resurrected and asks him three times, do you love me? And it's not enough to just hear Peter say, yes, of course, I love you. Um, He then says, okay, if you love me, go feed my sheep, tend my flock, feed my sheep. And so that in that moment in the Gospel of John, Jesus gives Peter the purpose, Peter, the purpose of the church and the purpose of our relationship of love. Go take care of my people, Mm -hmm. right? So how, how do you think, first of all, let's go to Joseph on this one. Dickens was telling us through the story of Oliver, telling the church people to take care of their people. The question is, how is he doing that? Yeah. By throwing it in their faces exactly what was going on and how it, how it was going on and making them realize that this is happening right under your noses. What are you going to do about it? Intentionally making them uncomfortable for a purpose. Do you think he was also trying to say, hey, by the way, the government's using you? Oh, yeah, 100%. Right. 100%. And he knew firsthand. He knew more than – not maybe more than anybody, but just as you know, much as the next person because he was a parliamentary journalist. He, was under, he understood exactly the politics that were happening um, and how the members of parliament were you know, taking advantage of things in order to advance their own careers as opposed to the people that they serve. And so by casting this, I mean, even in you read the book or the musical under this lens of God is love, this this banner of God is love, it's like he's telling the church, you're being used, you're being harmed, it's happening, people are being harmed in God's name mm-hmm. in many ways, mm-hmm. do something about it. Exactly right. So then what about today? Do you think Oliver would be, or Charles Dickens would be, be proud of how we're telling this story to especially church, through the church? Yeah, I think what Joseph just said, um, I think he would hold up a mirror to what is happening locally or politically or religiously, mm-hmm. faith-wise in our world. And um, that's what we're trying to do with, with this production is, is hold up a mirror to our community and our society and say, 
this is what's happening in your face um, in our neighborhood and maybe maybe push people to think and get a little uncomfortable. And what does that mean? And what does that what does that mean for us? And there's no black and white answer to what does it mean? No, right. Right? How do we respond? Right. I think too that he would be horrified that we are still having this conversation. Agreed. This is true. That I Agreed. wrote this manifesto in eighteen whatever, <laughs> and we are still having to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Especially in America, which was created for people to be free. Correct. Right. And right. and and we're Correct. we're not free when you live in poverty. Right. Correct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because here we are doing exactly what Dickens did. The church is saying, "Hey, let's let's say it." Whereas lots of times this musical is done, you know, consider yourself, ha, 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 cute, cute, cute. We're doing those things, and there's cute and beautiful and funny moments, but there's also here's the reality. And it's as if Jesus is saying to us, okay, take care of my people, right? Mm-hmm. So that gets to kind of what we want to talk about today. Um, whose story is really being told in this show? And I think there's multiple answers for that. But name some of the people whose stories are being told, especially the way we're telling this show. Um, I would say the people in poverty who are trying to get out of poverty, I don't think a lot of people realize that people don't choose to be poor. It is not you make one decision and boom, you're poor. It's either a chain of effects or simply in a sad way, a card you're dealt in life. And I feel like through Oliver, you can see through the kids, through like Nancy, through everyone, that it's something some people spend their whole lives trying to work out of. And from personal experience, it's something that can be glorified, especially mm-hmm. in theater or in Hollywood. Poverty's turned into this trope, I guess, in a Ooh. sense, where it's Call it out. glorified, where this is poverty. People wear rags. People look a certain way where in reality someone next to you, a coworker, a boss even, could be poor and you could go years without knowing. Mm -hmm. And so I guess we're telling the story of real poverty, not this idea or stereotype of poverty. That's awesome. Thank you. What else? What do you think of the other stories we're telling? I I happen to think that so Dickens wrote the the novel serially, mm-hmm. um, and because he wrote it serially, he also wrote it episodically. It was just mm-hmm. easier to write it in episodes. So we spend time in the novel and in the musical with certain characters in different parts of the play. Oliver's the through line. He's in every part of the play. But, for example, I'm in the beginning of my, Mr. Bumble's in the beginning of the play, and then he comes back a little bit later, but we don't really see him much after his scenes. Mm-hmm. Then you see this character, then you see this character. And all of those characters represent different things that are either wrong with society or the heroes like Nancy, who maybe she has, like you said, uh, a hand that was dealt to her that is just unfair for whatever reason, but is being used to show love in a certain way. So we're we are seeing these different characters for better or worse. And that for me is who that's what the play is about. It's about Mr. Bumble who takes advantage of the system in order to further himself. Or it's about Nancy or Mr. Brownlow who sacrifice their own wants and needs for another person. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? I second and third that. Um, I, I think for me, just playing Nancy in the show, um, from it, 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 coming from her perspective, for sure, it, it, she 
it's it's coming from her show because I think that she, she again she's been dealt this card. She doesn't know any better. She grew up in this situation. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't she doesn't have anyone to turn to but Fagan and Bill. Um, and then Oliver comes in and changes her whole world and completely flips it upside down. And then she's realizing, wow, I can't get out. You know. So I think um, yes. And for her standpoint, she doesn't have a choice. Oh, in her mind, she doesn't have a choice. Um, and then um, Oliver is a turning point in her story. Um, and from that, she becomes a very different person. And it's hard for Fagan and Bill to understand that. Um, so, yeah, from her standpoint, that's how I feel about it, for sure. So I think it's interesting because in, in our church, one of our strategic five-year vision plans is restoring hope and the mm-hmm. idea and it started actually 10 years ago um, lifting children out of poverty one neighborhood at a time um, and then we really started to dig in um, with this restoring hope strategic vision pillar of really understanding how many kids in our public schools are homeless yes um, not were but are homeless um, and working with those families to surround them with secure housing and sustainable food um, but also help them with jobs and things like that. Why is it important, do you think, to tell the story of kids in poverty? It's not told enough. It's, it's, it's not. I think when people think of poverty, they don't think of children. They just think of the homeless person on the street, which is also important. It is. Correct. But I don't think that people think about the kids. Um, I come from my mom's an educator, retired educator, and a lot of times she would come home and say a lot of times these kids, the only two meals they get is breakfast and lunch at school. You know, and I don't think a lot of people think about that, you know, right. and um, so I think it's important to shed light on that. And the show is definitely doing that. Um, the poverty experience was definitely uh, shedding light. I know for me personally, mm-hmm. um, even though I've it's information that I knew, but just experiencing it for that two hours was a lot. And Joseph actually was my partner uh, during that experience. And we both felt the stress and the anxiety um, of going through that. And I can only imagine living that every day of your life. I, I can't imagine. So just uh, seeing that and experiencing that was definitely empathetic for, I know for us. And I think that this show will shed light on the children, especially, and hopefully they'll um, will help them to want to go and maybe do something about it. And, and um uh, want to give back. Right. Fastest growing population of homeless homelessness in America is children. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Orange County, and I know Osceola County, we're predominantly Title I schools, which means more, you know, there's a certain percentage that lives at or below the poverty level. Um, you're in Osceola County as an educator. Um, tell us what you experience. I would love to. So I worked for a couple of years as a theater teacher at a Title I high school in, in South Kissimmee in Poinciana. I'm going to actually answer this question with an anecdote. Mm -hmm. So as a theater teacher, my students are able to compete as in their art for scholarship Mm -hmm. funds, for things that, uh, for, for money that would allow them to do what they love to do. Um, these are opportunities that are presented to any Osceola student. Um, the district offers these opportunities to compete for scholarships. You know, we've got a lot of donors that the hundreds of thousands of dollars that we can give these kids. The school that I taught at was in the southernmost part of Kissimmee. Um, a lot of their parents are working two, three jobs. For the most part, during the pandemic, a lot of my kids were their primary breadwinners because Wendy's was open during the pandemic, but mm-hmm. Disney World was not. Right. Um, and so my students were not represented at those opportunities to 
compete for scholarship funds to further their dreams because how can they get there? Mm. They don't have any transportation. You know, uh, Orlando transportation, public transportation is not very good at all. And if their parents are at work and they don't have a car or they have to take care of their little brother or little sister, how are they supposed to compete? So I see my kids just completely bogged down by the system and they believe that they are not worth it because nobody's fighting for them. So they just don't bother. And to, and then I see in my own circles because, you know, when you grow up in privilege, you hear these conversations, well, those kids are lazy. They mm-hmm. just need to believe in themselves more. You know, all the resources are there. They just got to fight for it. But those kids are not given that opportunity. How are they supposed to? They just, they literally cannot. Right. So that's the kind of thing that in my new role in the district that, you know, we're working on actively fighting against. Um, because those opportunities are there and the opportunities to get those kids to those opportunities are there. It's just finding the through line. It's finding the bridge to make those things happen. That's why I think this production is incredibly important because if you make people recognize that this is actually happening and that a little thing that they could do could make a difference, just that little thing, then eventually it won't become such a big thing, you know? Wow, I think it's how can we help break cycles? How can we participate to break cycles in our worlds that we that we either further or and we see these cycles, we see cycles of how they grow up and character of Nancy, we learn that they grew up certain ways, you know, Mm -hmm. so they're in this this familial um, situation. But how are we called as an audience and a community to think about where we are in our lives, and then Mm -hmm. to change that? Right in in our places of um, privilege and um, influence, right? Because we all are connected mm-hmm. to such different things, and how can how can we start making a difference to break cycles? Um, is huge, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So we've done the show for a couple of weeks. Do you think the audience has learned anything? Um, I feel like the audience is going to learn very quickly how there's not only different types of poverty, but different levels and how that comes about and how that affects and change a person. So I'm not going to spoil it because you have to see the show, but different characters are affected not only by their morals and characteristics, but a lot of the choices they're making aren't really a choice. Mm -hmm. It's out of dire need. And so simple things, at least for my character in Fagan's Gang, Stealing isn't a choice, but the morals are still there. I feel like when people talk about um, children or adults in poverty, all of their choices, they make it seem like it's out of bad moral, bad characteristics, bad the way they were, they grown up, when realistically it's survival. These choices Mm -hmm. are being made because without food, you can't live. Without money, I mean, some people, again, steal money. You cannot be a functioning member of society. A lot of choices are driven by the situation, which you talked about briefly, is either shaped by the government, uh, school, opportunities, resources, which aren't given because either they're kept a secret to the people in privilege who have the opportunities to know about these resources or just people are scared to accept that there are 
some good opportunities out there. Because again, when you're in poverty, you don't realize that there are good people out there because we do live in a society where the poverty is used for statistics, for anything at this point. And I feel like it helps show that in these situations, there's love, but there's also reason and there's logic in a way and a why they work. Right. It humanizes mm-hmm. people. And, rec- you know, it's a privilege to think that you can always hold values. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a privilege Absolutely, to say, yeah. oh, uh, everything's black and white and this is wrong. You know, stealing is wrong. It's a privilege to mm-hmm. be able to have the time to think about that Absolutely. when you're trying to make sure that you have the food that you need for not only yourself, but often your family. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It makes you think of like Les Mis and Aladdin. Right. It's like all this for a loaf of bread. Right. You know what I mean? And, right. and but, but perpetuates, which is survival and trying to feed your family yeah. mm-hmm. and live. Right. And take care of the system that you are in, which is, as we talk about in COPE, tyranny of the moment. Yes. Like, yes. like I don't have to time to think about what scholarships and things there are because I'm just trying to get through today because yeah. mm-hmm. yep. tomorrow is coming and, mm-hmm. and there are only so many hours in the day to do what I have to do to survive. And, and that's true for not only the parents, but it's true for the kids as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're stuck in it. So Karl Marx of all people <laughs> believe that theater should <laughs> add, a, I know a log <laughs> to the fire of revolution. Don't you love that? I do. Uh, <laughs> and Joseph and I have talked about Augusto Wall. Wall, is that how you say it, mm-hmm. right? His foundation, he created something called Theater of the Oppressed and the idea of um, representing stories, and you can probably talk about more of that, than, that the audience, it breaks the fourth wall and brings the audience into it to help them be a part of social resistance. He calls the spectator the spect actor. Yes, which we have used before we here in worship. <laughs> yes, we are not spectators, but we are spect actors. Yeah. So the idea is to invite the audience into the resolution of the crisis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to create a revolution of change. And I feel like this show, probably more than even when we did Ragtime or when we did Big River, I'm looking at Steve, really invites people, okay, we're going to break the fourth wall. You are in this city. When you come, if you haven't come already, you're going to notice, you're going to experience things from the moment you walk in. You're a part of this. Let's start a revolution. What is it that people, we want people to do when they leave? Because we don't want them to just be spectators. We want them to be spect actors. Mm -hmm. What is it? Some of our audience will be leaving the exact same footprints as some of our characters on the same path as they leave. The audience has to leave that same path. Yes. So how do you go out into the world now? Right. What's different? Because you spent two hours at this show. What do you want? Come on, Steve. What do you want? I hope we – I want to shake people. to wake up and see what they can do in the world um, and how they can show God's love um, in the places they're in, you know? And then, yeah, reach out. If you're not in those places, get in those places, right? And make a difference. And how can we live in this world and and make change? We are all part of such different areas um, in this community. And if everybody, like Joseph was talking about um, in his position, instituting change, right, In, in a structure system, 
we all are part of different systems. We can do that. So if we can realize that and see the structure systems, even in the show, you know, and just wake us up and be like, oh, I'm part of this kind of situation mm -hmm. and I have a voice here or I have a network or I have a relationship um, with so-and-so, you know, right. we, we can change, we can change the world. I know I get real Pollyanna <laughs> talking like that, but we've got to start somewhere. So um, hopefully it just, it's not your grandma's Oliver. Amen. It is, but like <laughs> we haven't been viewing it like that. And it, hopefully it just makes you be like, oh, mm -hmm. I see it now again. You know what I mean? And yeah. we're honoring the story. You know, we're honoring all of it and doing it, but just setting it so we, we can hold that mirror up to ourselves. Right. Yeah. Anyone else? What do you want? I, oh my God. No, 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 no. Go, you go first. Are you sure? 100%. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I want audience members to get to know their neighbors more. Their neighbors, mm. their friends, their coworkers. Because I feel like once you start listening to people and their stories and their lives, you can find those small branches. That's right. You can find small things that lead to a bigger through line, like you said, to change someone's life. Even mm -hmm. if it's a small thing that inspires one person, that inspires another which makes a big change, just learning more about other people's situations mm -hmm. or just doing research like about different socioeconomic situations and how that can impact a person's life can is one small step to learning more and helping more people. And I think if one audience member or two feels inspired to do that, we've made a difference. We've made a change in a way. Yeah. yeah. I want to debunk the stereotype mm -hmm. about poverty, mm -hmm. um, about particularly people of color, how people of color in, in these communities are looked at. Mm -hmm. um, and I want, to I want our show to illuminate this idea of the tyranny of the moment so that instead of immediately demonizing the choices that we make in that moment, we empathize with them and we understand why we are making these decisions that we're making for ourselves and for our families because that's going to change the narrative a little bit. Um, that's gonna make us empathize a little bit more. And I think that's where we need to start is with empathy, mm -hmm. with understanding, and then we can go from there. Piggyback on what Joseph was saying, just more empathy for your fellow neighbor. You never know what people are going through who are next to you. There could be someone next to you who's going through poverty and you have no idea. That's right. Um, you know, so just being a, uh, an ear to listen um, and being a friend, you also don't know someone could be going through a domestic abusive right. relationship, right. which is what right. Nancy is going through for two and a half hours. So, you know, so I think it's important to listen, to be a friend, to, um, and also I hope that if someone is going through that situation, they know they can get out. Um, there are resources for you, um, not, you know, about poverty and also just about those kind of relationships as well. So I just hope that, um, Empathy is a big thing. Um, and um, just know that you're not alone. And there are people, who, there are resources and there are people here who would love to listen and, and be there for you. And that's the gospel mandate. Mm -hmm. You know, God showed up with skin on as Jesus and moved in love, moved into the neighborhood. And then at the very end, he says, and if you love me, then you're going to take care of one another. So we are excited because this uh, this show has lots of wraparound experiences. You can go to saint.lukes.org backslash Oliver. Um, we are going to be offering uh, exercise in the racial wealth gap, which talks about the different um, – 
uh, legislation that has helped to create poverty, especially for people of color. Um, and it's a powerful experience that's brought to us by Bread for the World. So we hope you'll be a part of that. We are going to have another cost of poverty experience that you can attend and be a part of. Um, we are going to have a class called Seeking Shalom, taught by Dr. Ryan Bonfilio from Candler School of Theology at Emory University. It's a class on poverty and poverty in the Bible. And then we're also going to be having a special viewing of the documentary movie, The Florida Project. We hope to be having the director. Um, and you can get involved, you can volunteer with our micro farm. We have five different ones that we work with. You can help grow food, meal distributions. You can help to um, work with jobs partnership, helping people get a better job. You can help with circles. You can help with um, being a volunteer in our schools um, or being a family resource advocate. There are so many ways you can support uh, uh, Hope Partnership. There are so many ways that you're going to be able to respond to the story. And we hope everyone does. Like find your thing and what you're passionate about, but also where your influence is. And let's do something so that all our neighbors know that God is love. Thanks so much for being here. Can't wait to be with you as we start a new podcast series next week. <laughs>